Don't forget to rate us on iTunes so we can continue to bring great content to you. Hello, I'm Leslie Kane, Executive Director of the National Resource Center at CHAD. And I have here with me Dr. Elliot Lassen, who's a professor of industrial and organizational psychology at UMBC. We're here to discuss the workplace issues associated with ADHD. So the purpose of this discussion is to address those issues. And let me give you a little bit of background uh, information. Research shows that about 25% of the population has a diagnosable mental health disorder. Although 5% of the, the adult population has been diagnosed with ADHD, if you consider that 11% of children have been diagnosed with ADHD and that ADHD doesn't actually go away during a lifetime, most people think that the, the statistic for the adult population is either a function of lack of diagnosis or that the frequency of co-occurring conditions with ADHD have trumped the actual ADHD diagnosis. So just keep that in mind. The bottom line, there are a lot of adults with ADHD who are in the workplace. So our question to Dr. Lassen, first of all, is how do mental health issues impact the work environment? What's the impact to business? Well. There's obviously a financial impact of uh, lost uh, productivity that could be the result of mismanagement of certain behaviors uh, in, the, uh, in the workplace. Uh, there is a cost as it relates to employee assistance programs. Some companies will have internal EAPs, some will have outsourced EAPs, so there's a cost associated with, uh, with that. Uh, specifically, there are two areas that, of behavior that are affected by uh, psychological issues in the workplace. Uh, the first is, are people that cannot be at work because of a disorder, a condition, a situation uh, where they cannot be performing either on-site or remotely. Uh, and then there is, we'll, we'll just call that downtime, uh, and then there is what we call presenteeism, which is where the person is in the workplace, technically the person has showed up for work, but is not necessarily engaged at that time. Uh, so there is the, I would call it the micro uh, lens through which you look at that employee, and then there is the ripple effect. Uh, co-workers, managers that have to uh, interact with that individual. So those are some areas uh, that I would say uh, mental health issues will impact the work environment. Right, and um, some recent uh, figures of just a few years ago have put the cost to business on an annual basis in the hundreds of millions of dollars of mental health issues in the workplace. A lot of that is tagged with anxiety and depression, which are typical co-occurring conditions of ADHD. So the impact to business is rather significant. So then the question is, gee, if I'm a business, maybe I don't want to have anyone um, working for me that, that has ADHD. 
well, a lot might be lost. If we consider the, the ADHD symptoms, there are a lot of really famous and successful people who have ADHD. Typically, people like Richard Branson and other titans of industry have overcome their ADHD and been successful because they're very creative and intuitive and innovative. So although people uh, with ADHD are typically diagnosed with their impulsivity, they're, distracted, they're distractible, they're restless or hyperactive, they may be stubborn or inconsistent or have a hard time focusing. The flip side of those traits, the mirror traits, uh, bring significant value to the workplace. They're curious and creative and energetic. They're intuitive and innovative. And they're hyper-focused when they latch onto something that interests them. So how can business derive the greatest value from their employees who have ADHD? For instance, what rights uh, do employees with mental health issues have? First of all, the Americans with Disabilities Act, which is certainly on the books at a national level, uh, protects individuals uh, with uh, various disabilities. And the ADA provides for mental conditions or mental illnesses, uh, including physical, physical impairments. And the rule uh, associated with uh, the ADA is that accommodation should be reasonable. Uh, organizations that have uh, individuals who are ADHD, uh, those individuals are legally protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, and therefore, an organization, once it knows about ADHD for a certain employee, uh, has to provide what is considered to be reasonable accommodation unless of course it causes undue business hardship that's the exemption under the Americans with Disabilities Act managers in organizations have to be trained and or enlightened about the law but not only that they have to be enlightened about the capabilities of individuals with ADHD. Instead of looking at their limitations, they might also be directed towards the potential. And you mentioned a couple of examples uh, with uh, Richard Branson and, and others. Uh, those individuals are entrepreneurs. Uh, perhaps the way that they got there was because of a certain stubbornness, uh, perseverance, uh, not necessarily listening to what the pundits are saying. Uh, about traditional business models and things like that. Uh, they obviously have a passion for a certain product or service. And uh, those individuals are considered to be out of the box. Now, out of the box is kind of a double-edged sword when we describe people. Some people, uh, when they use the term out of the box, they're using it as maybe a little bit of a pejorative. But in some of the examples that you cited, being out of the box is actually an asset. So I think that uh, management uh, should be informed uh, of not only the law uh, and the accommodation aspect, but also the potential that those individuals bring to the table by way of creativity, innovation, um, especially in an entrepreneurial society that we are in right now with a lot of startup companies. Uh, I think that uh, there is definitely some potential to be realized. 
You know, I, when I used to be in, in high tech, the, the upper management would be constantly wringing their, their hands. How can we make our people more innovative and inventive? And, and they didn't have a clue. Um, so uh, that's, that's a challenge for business and it's an opportunity. Well, Leslie, let me, let me uh, add on to that. Uh, in psychology, one of the, uh, in social psychology specifically, one of the theories that we talk about is groupthink. Groupthink was, um, I would say, put forth as a theory in 1972 by Janus. Mm -hmm. And what groupthink is, is that often when you get a group together and maybe there's a time constraint or some other pressure to come to a consensus decision, one person puts forth an idea and everybody else says, okay, we're good. And that's not always a good thing, especially in areas like marketing or advertising where innovation and creativity is helpful and, and an asset. What individuals with ADHD sometimes bring to the table is the uh, flip side of groupthink where they're not necessarily saying yes that's a great idea but they're challenging the idea as well as maybe bringing forth an alternative concept mm -hmm. uh, so I think that there is that some potential with people uh, for people with ADHD to contribute in a positive way to certain organizational decisions and you know, business trajectory. So when we talk about accommodations, it's not like uh, the person with ADHD is expecting their manager to let them you know, sleep until noon. Um, although I can think back to, again, when I was in high tech, some of those engineers were so valuable. Yeah, they didn't come in until noon, but they worked until midnight. The kinds of accommodations that we're, we're talking about are kind of flexible scheduling, uh, telecommuting, written directions, writing things down so that uh, the person with ADHD has a better, better chance of remembering and following the instructions, um, you know, reducing the amount of paperwork and, and lists and forms that the person with ADHD might have to fill out. Quiet spaces for work. Um, not working in a cubicle where people are walking by and making disruptions all the time because that can disrupt uh, the, the, the person with ADHD's train of thought and make them less productive than they would be otherwise. So those aren't costly accommodations, but they're meaningful and can support the value that the person with ADHD brings to the table. Uh, can you think of other examples? First, let me phrase, Leslie, the notion of accommodations. You were talking about accommodations such as telecommuting or flexible scheduling. If you think about many of the accommodations, including those, but some of the other accommodations that we're about to talk about, those are not necessarily accommodations that are unique to people with ADHD. Those could apply to a working mom that you might want to give a flexible mm -hmm. schedule to mm -hmm. because she provides value to the organization. Uh, so these accommodations, I would say, are somewhat generic, but they can definitely be applied to people with ADHD. There are eight areas that are uh, ripe for accommodations for people with, with ADHD. Many people with ADHD 
have uh, time management issues. Uh, so there might be some strategies that managers can use as well. And, and I think it's really a partnership between the two. I think once the conversation of reasonable accommodation gets started, it really has to be a dialogue between the manager and the employee. Uh, but as it relates to time management, one suggestion is to divide a complex, longer project or, or task into smaller, uh, into smaller bits. And that can really help somebody with ADHD because they are able to focus on a specific task, even if it's a very small task, and then move on to the next task. Obviously, you want to, as a manager, you want to plot out what those tasks are and make sure that they're done in sequence, aligned with unit priorities uh, to, get, to get those done. Uh, so a kind of a checklist of, of, of assignments, uh, maybe some sort of organizer, putting things on a calendar, uh, could be uh, an iPad using technology or, or a phone, uh, emphasizing due dates and accountabilities. Those would be, uh, those would be some strategies. The next uh, challenge for uh, someone with ADHD uh, are areas uh, relating to memory. Individuals with ADHD may experience some memory deficits which can, which can affect their ability to complete tasks because they're uh, maybe thinking about something else while they're on a specific task and they may fail to remember certain job duties or recall certain responsibilities that they might have. So providing, similar to with the time management, providing written instructions, maybe having a flow chart to indicate the appropriate task order, uh, as well as maybe using some post-it notes and reminders uh, of important tasks or, or dates. Another area in a cognitive realm is concentration when we think about somebody who's fidgety, ADHD. So you mentioned areas of, uh, let's say, reducing noise within the uh, organizational environment, and it could be visual or auditory distractions that you would want to, uh, you would want to avoid. Organization and prioritization is another area, and if you think about organizing your office or organizing files, many people will use a color-coded system. Uh, so if you think about that as maybe a metaphor for organizing and prioritizing certain tasks or pieces of information, that's going to be helpful to somebody with, uh, with ADHD. Maybe even have a coach, a professional organizer, come in and help support that uh, that individual. So that, it doesn't have to be somebody that you hire from the outside. It could be a mentor within the, within the organizational environment. Social skills is another area where uh, people with ADHD may have a difficulty in uh, sustaining relationships, both in their personal life as well as in their work life. And really just having uh, maybe a, a mentor or a job coach walking them through what is considered to be socially appropriate pointing out certain things that may not be uh, mainstream. I would say that would be another, uh, another area of accommodation. Uh, you have the hyperactivity, impulsivity. Individuals with ADHD may exhibit overactivity or impulsive behavior, and that's kind of where we get the, uh, the H uh, in, the, uh, in the ADHD acronym. Uh, and if you think about some ways of accommodating, m managers can provide some structured breaks to create uh, an outlet for physical activity, as well as provide a private workspace where the employee will not disturb others through certain behaviors 
uh, like tapping or fidgeting. Uh, so kind of isolating the employee away from other employees that this employee could cause some sort of distraction to. Uh, the multitasking uh, individuals with ADHD may experience difficulty in performing many tasks on time. So if you think about multitasking as, uh, as a challenge for somebody with ADHD, try to reduce the amount of multitasking. So instead of assigning tasks concurrently, assign them sequentially. Now, many of the things that we're talking about, Leslie, require management support and management sensitivity about these challenges. And once managers know about the challenges, then they can uh, work with the individual and formulate certain strategies. And finally, uh, the last piece of accommodation, uh, some of this might be mitigated by the high-tech world in which we are, the digital world, but when we talk about paperwork, paperwork, if you think about a person's desk that sometimes has papers all over the place, that can be difficult to manage and difficult to find certain things. And if you organize your office in folders or with the digital types of technology, putting documents into specific folders on a, a shared drive or um, on some other local drive, I think will help, help that individual uh, with ADHD uh, manage certain document management challenges. Excellent. Thank you so much. That's very helpful. So next we come to how can an employee get accommodations when they need that in order to be productive? It's a little bit of a, a, of a tricky question uh, because there is a certain stigma associated with disclosure of ADHD. But if it's obvious, uh, it could be obvious during the interview uh, that the person has ADHD, it might be prudent for the individual, even though there's a stigma, to disclose. Uh, and I think the fact that there's a disclosure uh, if, if I were a manager, I would see that as kind of a genuine uh, uh, piece of information that the person wants to do a good job, is identifying a challenge. If you think about the way people get interviews, obviously in this example, uh, let's say the, the, the guy uh, who applies for the job, his name is Paul. Obviously Paul has a resume that's worthy of getting the interview because he wouldn't be in there. Obviously Paul has had some measure of success in the past, has some educational credentials or certifications that, 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 that bring value to the organization. And that's why Paul was brought in, uh, brought, in, brought in for the interview. If Paul discloses to the interviewer, who could be the hiring manager, uh, that he has uh, ADHD and uh, has certain challenges, but nonetheless has had success as per the resume, as what the resume represents, then I think if I was a manager, I would take that as a, as, as a positive sign, uh, that the person is willing to kind of put himself out there, Paul in this case, putting himself out there, knowing that there's a possibility of a stigma, but it's coming across that the individual is honest about the situation. And uh, I would say that under ADA, there are certain legal rights, uh, and you can't discriminate against somebody um, you know, because they're, 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 they're disabled. Uh, the manager, I, w I would recommend to the rent manager that he or she has an open mind to Paul or any other interviewee that comes in. 
and look at the capabilities, look at the value added rather than the limitation. Because look, everybody has a limitation of some sort. And some people have limitations that they bring to the table that they're not ADHD, but they have other things going on in their life, personal businesses, personal business that they bring to the workplace on a daily basis that could also uh, affect absenteeism, presenteeism that we talked about, uh, disruptive uh, behavior. Uh, so if, you th if you're open-minded about it as a manager, you would just see this as another variation of a performance uh, challenge that can be effectively managed. Very good, very good. So also in that disclosure, if the employee says, I am under treatment, both medication and therapy, and for the most part, my symptoms are managed. However, my environment can affect my productivity, and therefore, I may need some adjustments in my um, environment in order to be most productive uh, for this organization. Uh, that would be a realistic discussion, I would think, and, and would employers be receptive to that? I would interpret that request as what we call under the Americans with Disabilities Act a reasonable accommodation. My reaction to that question could be, well, we have a cubicle that is at the, or an office that's at the end of the hallway, or it's that, that's at the end of the uh, row of cubicles. So there might be a certain level of isolation, at least on two or even three sides, uh, that, might, uh, that, that might help. Uh, once the person discloses to the manager, that could be something that would be offered, and then it would be up to the employee, let's just use Paul as our example, it would be up to the employee to, 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 to say whether he feels or she feels that accommodation is going to be is going to be sufficient. Um, not all people with ADHD have the same exact symptoms at the same exact time, and some of it depends on the job, the nature of the job. Some of it depends on the, the physical layout of the workplace. Uh, it really has to be taken on a case by case basis, and I believe that if a manager has received the training in what ADHD is and some of the accommodation strategies that we've talked about, that the two of them can have that dialogue and come up with a set of accommodations, realizing that in the future there might be reason to revisit, uh, maybe an annual performance review, uh, assuming that everything else is, is fine, but maybe the annual performance review or uh, semi-annual performance review would be an opportunity to revisit that accommodation to find out whether it has been successful. Mm -hmm. So if the manager has that understanding, and I used the word enlightened before, uh, not just about the law but about the condition, uh, then I believe that the, uh, you know, th th that the manager uh, and the employee can, can have a positive, productive working relationship. And so must there be proof of disability? If, if there's pushback from the employer, must the employee have some level of proof of disability? Because under 88, the diagnosis alone is insufficient.
for them, for the employer to be required to provide accommodations. So does the employee have to prove a disability to the you know, reluctant employer? And, and what has to be put into writing? Well, what has to be put into writing would be documentation from a healthcare provider, from a legitimate licensed uh, healthcare provider to provide the, uh, the diagnosis uh, and maybe also some specifics relating to that diagnosis that are specific to this, this particular individual. Uh, I believe that that can help the employer in formulating a reasonable accommodation by identifying uh, the nature, uh, the nature of, the, of the disability. Uh, so once the disability is, is, is disclosed, the man management really has, has the right to ask for, for that uh, documentation. Now, under HIPAA, there are certain safeguards that have to be in place in terms of where medical files can be, can be kept. And this applies to not only mental illness, and diagnoses, but also uh, physical impairments. Th those records cannot and should not be kept together with the regular, uh, with the regular personnel file, uh, whether it's a physical file or whether it's a, um, a digital, mm -hmm. digital file. That information should be kept, should be kept in a separate place. Mm -hmm. uh, and therefore, if somebody goes to the, in, to the employee's file at some point later, uh, they should not be seeing that. They should not be seeing that diagnosis. Now, when it comes to performance reviews, uh, you have to be careful not to, uh, in, in terms of what you put down as a manager, what you put down uh, on the person's performance appraisal. Managers really should not be diagnosing the disorder, uh, but they can be documenting the behavior. Uh, so you want to document the behavior without. Uh, making any guesses, as educated as they might be, of what the disorder is. So keep the records separate, keep performance separate from any medical di documentation. Where do you suggest the, the, the sequencing of, of having this discussion? First with a manager, then with HR, or what do you suggest? Every organization is different in terms of how they onboard individuals. Uh, very often you might have a, a phone screen. In the initial stages of the recruitment process uh, with uh, somebody from HR, a recruiter uh, from the organization, is just going to ask some basic questions. That is not the time to disclose, uh, in my professional opinion. That's not the Unless, unless there is a direct question, and I would not recommend a direct question on a phone screen about is there any condition for which you feel that you need any sort of accommodation. That's generally, I've never really seen that in a, in a phone screen. Mm -hmm. However, during an interview, a job interview, one of the questions that could be asked that's a very generic question uh, at the end of the interview could be something for, for example, like uh, now that we've discussed the job and we have uh, gone through the job description in writing, are there any things that you see that could get in the way of you performing this particular job? Now, that opens up a whole bunch of possibilities. There could be a scheduling. There could be religious objection to a part of the job. Um, so ADHD 
could just be part of a laundry list of accommodations that might be appropriate for that for that particular uh, for that particular situation. So if the question is asked in that way and it's not under total control and there's an accommodation that's really warranted by the judgment of the employee based on what he or she thinks about the job uh, and what it's going to entail, I would say that it could be uh, it, it could be disclosed uh, then. Mm -hmm. Say you don't disclose and you're already employed and mm -hmm. you're finding that the environment is stressful for you, then what do you do, manager or HR? I would say, Leslie, to try HR first. And the reason I say that is because hiring managers are not necessarily enlightened. Yes. Uh, HR, the probability of them being trained, enlightened, educated about uh, accommodation disabilities is going to be higher. Uh, especially if they are certified HR professionals, they're PHR or SPHR, uh, they have those credentials. So they have been uh, trained and they have to uh, undergo uh, continuing education. Uh, so chances are they're going to be more informed. I would recommend going to uh, HR first. And it could be that HR is going to document it and say, well, now it's time to, thank you very much, now it's time to have the conversation with the hiring manager. So at least you're protected that you sought out the support of human resources. I mean, if you think about what human resources means, the two words uh, together, uh, that would be the appropriate first stop, and then see what they say. Uh, and that, that, I would, that would be my, my recommendation. Is any of this under the purview of EAP, particularly when it's outsourced? EAP is usually a second step in the performance management process. The first step might be a report that goes through HR, or it might be something from the hiring manager. I've been in situations before in the, in the, uh, in the management sector where I, obviously I have a little bit of training in that regard, but I made the call based on a specific performance issue that was not related to ADA, it was something else, uh, to send somebody to EAP directly uh, without going through HR per se. Usually EAP is a, is, is a, second, is a second step. Now, if there, is, there are other performance issues that led the person to the EAP, then the EAP professional provider might feed that information back and have a diagnostic protocol conducted whereby the behavior that was in question or the performance problem that was in question could be diagnosed as, uh, as ADHD. Uh, so that's usually, usually the EAP is the kind of the second or th even third step in the process. Okay, uh, do they handle appeals if, if the employee doesn't like the answer when they went to the manager or HR? Mm. Appeal, could you be a little bit more specific? Well, if, if the employee has uh, talked about accommodations with their manager mm -hmm. and doesn't like the response, the response is unsatisfactory, mm -hmm. does EAP get involved to deal with that, to kind of sort it out? And, and right, usually not EAP, it would usually be HR okay. or 
within HR, there is a, in, in larger organizations, there is an entity called employee relations. Uh, that usually, that employee relations would be the HR entity that would mediate disputes between staff and management. Okay. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't see EAP as being the, uh, as being the, the, the unit as much as employee relations okay. in, in terms of uh, meeting, meeting any, mediating any disputes. Terrific. Now, there is stigma out there. We can't deny it. How does stigma against people with mental health issues manifest itself in the workplace, and what can the employee do about it? And what should the managers do about that? Leslie, I, I think that stigma is getting a little better because people are, uh, I think, being more, uh, I think the public, the national and international public is becoming more uh, enlightened about mental illness and once they know about it, if they have uh, uh, one or two degrees of separation away from a family member or a close friend, I think that uh, uh, they are having a better understanding of what the disorder is all about uh, and how it can be managed and as we mentioned before, the potential that this person uh, brings this person brings to the table. In some organizations, the people are not necessarily that informed. Management, I believe, has an opportunity to provide some level of training to its managers where the, and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, mental illness targeted training. It could be part of a performance management workshop or performance management training where there's a module in that training about employees with mental health issues that could include ADHD. You're not going to cover everything because it's only going to be a module within, uh, within a broader training. Uh, but I believe that the same way that management offers training and support to its first-line managers, middle managers, sometimes even senior managers, to incorporate that discussion into the curriculum. And if people are not already sensitive and understanding and accommodating, then hopefully that will uh, raise, raise awareness. Uh, managers also have an opportunity and maybe even a responsibility to train non-ADHD or non-mental health affected employees in how to work together with that individual. Now sometimes it's a matter of giving the person with ADHD, for example, their space, but sometimes if they have to work together to maybe alert them to certain behaviors that might be common and have them work, be able to work better as a team. Okay, I, I can just think back to some situations I've been in where some individuals have been very callous and, and demeaning towards people with, with issues. You know, I've been in large companies too where there's training around uh, valuing differences and so forth and there was never a mental health component to that. So I, I'm hoping that that uh, will advance and get better. So in conclusion, um, 
what can you say about the value to employers of dealing with people with ADHD? What would be your parting remarks and wisdom? <laughs> you cited some statistics at the beginning of our talk today, Leslie, about the cost associated with uh, mental illness in the workplace. Even if you were to just take a business-like perspective of dollars and cents, if you as an organization were able to chip away at the cost to the organization of performance problems, then it would be worth the investment that we're talking about here of training and accommodation, uh, the effects on absenteeism and pres presenteeism, uh, I think, can be uh, can be reduced. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the stigma uh, and alleviating some of the stigma. I believe it's getting better. The national awareness of you know Special Olympics and other types of organizations and activities, I believe, has uh, has made the collective persona of uh, the American workplace a lot more sensitive uh, sensitive to it uh, and uh, really just having that training and support to managers of how the bottom line can maybe be affected uh, and how their jobs can be made easier by maybe providing these accommodations as opposed to just uh, seeing it as a challenge that they'll never be able to resolve. Mm -hmm. So it's really a multi-pronged, uh, multi-pronged strategy uh, that of, of of training, enlightenment, and uh, you know providing that support that will help management and managers specifically uh, get the most out of the potential that the individuals with ADHD bring to the table by way of their creativity, innovation, and other contributions like we've seen before. Yes, yes, I agree. And there's another benefit, too. If the manager disregards the issues and thinks that they don't have a commitment or, or a need to do anything, then they're going to be dealing with little employee issues popping up here and there rather than dealing with, with it from the get-go in a comprehensive way. So um, thank you so much for joining us and for your intelligence and your knowledge. Uh, really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure, Leslie. All right. <laughs>